0: Hey, and welcome to the Baz Reviews Bazcast. I'm your host, Baz, and we've got another awesome episode lined up for you today. What a great way to start off 2021. We're going to look at the year that was 2020, a crazy one. It feels like about five years built into one. Um, I'm going to start off with some big announcements to look ahead in 2021, so stay tuned for that. And then we'll get into my reviews from the month of December, my top 10 albums, top 20 songs, and awards for music in 2020. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. As the great Irish band U2 once said, all is quiet on New Year's Day. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 25 of the Baz Reviews Bazcast. As I mentioned at the top, uh, I'm your host Baz, I've been here for all 25 episodes and thank you again for tuning in. I hope you guys are all doing well and staying safe, Um, had a happy Christmas, holiday, whatever you celebrate, Christmas equivalent, I don't know, Festivus for the rest of us I guess. Um... Bad joke, whatever. But um, this has been a really crazy year. You know, in those history textbooks when they're published, like 50 years from now, it's like 2020 is going to be its its own entire chapter in and of itself. So that's that's really crazy. It's like all of us are just witnessing history right now. But um, all politics and health stuff aside, you know, I, I don't want that to be the focus of this episode, even though it was big this year. Let's start off with some announcements. Um, on December 13th, we celebrated two years of Bass Reviews. Thank you so much to everybody who has tuned in, whether you um, you know just found out about me a month ago through my music festival that I had in October, or if you've been here since the beginning, your support means a hell of a lot. I'm really glad that I've had the success that I've had, right? I mean, like, I, I don't think with the pandemic and the social justice movement, I don't think I would have gotten the people that I've been able to get. You know, I think it's been a really creative peak for me, and... I mean, I'm not saying, like, I wouldn't be creative otherwise, but I, I digress. Whatever. I'm sure, as some of you have already seen on the Bass Reviews Instagram, if you're not following that, go give it a follow, at Baz Reviews. Um, it is inevitable this is the final episode of the Bass Reviews Bazcast. Um, as sad as I am to say it, we just weren't getting the growth that we wanted here on the podcast. I think um, we got about 1,400 streams in two years. That's not great, considering... I've been doing it for this long, so as much as I love putting time into doing these episodes, editing them, having guests on, it's just not worth it for me to do it if I'm not going to get people listening because, you know, it takes anywhere from, you know, two to three hours to record and then another three to edit. You know, I got to write all the scripts, even though it's just recycling content from the blog or whatever, for those of you who don't read that. Um... So instead I'm going to be switching to YouTube, same content as you'll be seeing here on the Bazcast, reviews, interviews, other topics in music being discussed, but I'd like to add a visual component to that. I feel like short stuff that people can consume, like TikTok, obviously that's been successful for a reason. That's why there's a lot of really big, you know, musicians on there that have gotten famous, music journalists, I suppose, like, you know, you look at Dev Lemons of Song Psych, you look at Ethan Fields, who's been super successful. I mean, it was it was crazy because he reached out to me. Like I, I jokingly put, What's your thoughts on Baz Reviews? And he's like, You were the first person to reach out to me. Thank you so much for giving me a voice. And just, you know, having somebody of that stature reach out to you like when they're like famous, verified fifty thousand plus on Instagram, you know, another three hundred thousand on TikTok. I mean, that means a hell of a lot. So props to you, Ethan. Thank you, man. You're doing great stuff. Same with guys like Noah John from Without Warning. Uh, really great guest. I've had him on here. Uh, the episode is from August. I would definitely recommend uh, everyone checking that one out. That was a fun one that I did. So yeah, I think it will allow me to grow my platform a little bit more because that's that's really the goal. It's year three now. And I'm at a point where I want more people to see my stuff. I don't want to just be having to rely on grassroots stuff. I don't want to have to be relying on Instagram discovery because that's how a lot of my my followers and people that I've met this year have um, come from. So, if you are interested in subscribing, um, I'll drop the link down in the show notes to that, as well as like any other important links. Speaking of which, uh, I started a Discord back in October, and I have just met some tremendously talented, and sweet individuals on there. Big thanks to guys like Callum. Sheen, who I now manage, Sam Starr, Eric Wang, also known as CZ, uh, David, somebody I met from the Music Shitposting uh, Discord server, really great guys, thank you all for just being there to talk whenever, but having people be like, wow, you're a great writer, wow, you're a great speaker, I mean, I don't get that too often, so that means a lot. Thank you guys for keeping that server up and running, giving me a, a reason to just meet new people and stuff, and if you'd like to join that, the link will also be down in the show notes. Um, We talk music, I have an ideas and feedback server, so if you'd like to drop YouTube video ideas, I am totally game to see what you guys are interested in, because another goal of year three is fan service year, if you will. Uh, Very late in the process, of course, but um, so that's the Discord link, YouTube link. Um, Considering I haven't done like a month in review on here since like September, like that's four months worth of albums, I figured I would just keep it to December because... There's so there's just so many albums like think about it each segment is like 15 minutes This would be a really 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 long podcast And I don't want to bore you guys any longer because you know The listenership really drops off towards <laughs> like the five or ten minute mark as, as sad as that is to say And I'm just rambling on here right now, but whatever I got to review a lot of really cool albums that I'm excited to share And that helped really formulate my awards and other songs that I liked Even the album's list itself, there's some uh, later picks on there. Um, Here we are, December, a month in review. Let's get into it. So as I mentioned uh, just a second ago, there were a lot of great albums that I listened to in December. And we'll start that off with Sin Miedo, Del Amor y Otros Demonios by Callie She She's just one of those really special once-in-a-generation talents, so versatile, and she's really become one of my favorite artists in the music industry today. Uh, She's someone that I definitely talked about a lot in the early days of Baz Reviews, but not really since. I didn't check out her EP from last year, but um, Isolation was actually one of my favorite records from 2018. Uh, If memory serves, I think that was my pick for um, one of the best albums of the decade as well. If you haven't heard that one, I would... Definitely recommend it. I was really stoked to find out that she would be releasing a new album. Uh, And this one is especially significant because it's her first to predominantly be in Spanish. She's written in Spanish, you know, for a few songs on past records, but not like in a whole... I thought that was going to be exciting. So I definitely thought it was interesting how uh, the record was a lot lighter than some of her past ones. It's pretty different from that very traditional reggaeton sound that you've um, come to hear on the radio. And I almost enjoyed that take on the genre a little bit more. She almost reminds me of, like, a Spanish counterpart of someone from, like, the dark wave R&B scene here in the States, um, definitely both through the production and vocal range, and I love what she was able to do across the record with that, you know, new sound. She sounds like a completely different person on the writing side as well, definitely a lot more mature. Um, the 13 song, tracklist sports a lot of highlights for me. I would say La Luna Enamorada, Fue Mejor, Vaya Con Dios, Quiero Sentirme Bien, Telepatia, nadie and La Luz are some of my favorites, um... When we're talking about some of the album's negative points, I was a little bit disappointed with the way that um, the album was trying to wrap itself up. It was only for like a brief minute that she went back to that traditional reggaeton sound that I was talking about earlier. I didn't really enjoy that all too much. Uh Pongo Mall is the song in question here. To me, it feels like that was meant to cater to the featured artists Jowl and Randy rather than to Callie. I also wasn't a fan of some of her rap efforts on Aki Mondo with Rico Nasty and No Eres 2 later in the record. Other than those two hiccups, though, I would say that Scene Miedo serves as a really good return for Cali. Out of the two Spanish-language records I listened to this year, this is certainly the better offering if you want to broaden your musical horizons. I gave this one an 8.5 out of 10. But on the more mixed note, we're going to talk about visions of bodies being burned by clipping. Um, I guess a little bit of a fun fact here. Um, this was, like, really early in the Baz Review's, like, life. I reached out to the producers of clipping. I forget which one it was, either Jonathan or William. I can't remember, but... Um, I was like, hey, you know, I have a blog, I'd love to do an interview, would you guys want to do one? And they're like, eh, sorry, we're busy right now, code word for whatever, not going to go into that. But still really cool that I heard from them. And this is their new project, it's a uh, sequel to Their Existed in Addiction to Blood, which came out last October, and I liked that one quite a bit. I reviewed it back in January. I was really excited to hear what they were going for on here as well. And considering that this was supposed to be, like, the companion, as I just mentioned, it doesn't ever really feel like that's the case. The devil is really in the details here. Like, throughout the first listen, you might be thinking, like, okay, yeah, this is, like, a clipping record that will go down for the ages. Like, oh, it sounds so great. But I think if you listen closer, something really sounds off with David Diggs. It's really rare to hear him give 100% on many of the tracks here, and I think that was easily the most disappointing part of the album. The flow he brings is, like, really cloaked, and not like as braggadocious as we've come to expect from him. I think songs like Something Underneath, She Bad, Pain Every Day, "Eaten Alive, and Body for the Pile were all really underwhelming for me. Um, like I said, decent production. Like it's fine. But it's nothing that really screams wow. Um, if I had to pick some of the standouts, I'd definitely say Say the Name is great. 96 Nev Campbell. But I'd only really go back to it for the Cam and China feature. Uh, check the lock is also great looking like meat and enlacing are also ones that i would recommend i was also disappointed because there's no story track this time around right like there's story two story five story seven but nothing like after that and then you know again like they're going on that really annoying trend of having a really long unnecessary noisy outro in secret piece you can call it what you want but i think it's like a dumb waste of three minutes that's trying to add like mood to the record but doesn't really work And for all the success Clipping has had, they're actually a pretty volatile group in my opinion. Like, they either show up fully motivated and make a cool record, or they don't and it ends up becoming like a really half-baked product. I think that their existed in Addiction to Blood is one that stood out to me for a lot of reasons, but I've had people tell me Visions of Bodies being burned is like one of their favorite projects of the year, and I just never found myself fully engaged, I suppose. So that's why, um, you know, the positive takeaways are very few to come by. And it leaves me to question, you know, when I'll be coming back to revisit this. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Um, Hate to be a little bit more negative here, but this is another mixed review. Fair warning. Uh, Set My Heart on Fire Immediately by Perfume Genius. This is another record that I'm heading into kind of blindly. This is one that I've seen on a lot of those year Endless, And I've probably missed some of the better records from Michael Hadrias in the past. This is his fifth overall studio album that came out earlier in 2020. I don't know. I just I, like, there's something missing to me with this record. I, you know, friends like this record again. People in the industry like the record. I, I'm almost shocked at how this managed to get a 91 out of 100 on Metacritic and a nine from Pitchfork. At its best, it feels like Hadriás is slightly tweaking and overdoing a formula that like so many artists have done before. It's just maximalist production and heavily reverb vocals, and that's supposed to evoke emotion. I liked some of the production and darker lyrical tones on here, but I think his vocal delivery in general just isn't my thing. Even with all those added effects, it's really hard to listen to him for one song, let alone like almost an hour of it. I think the songs like Without You describe and Your Body Changes Everything were all decent. But once again, it's another album that suffers from a pretty forgettable front and middle section. Um, Hadrias, to me, never seems like he really knows where he wants to go. And that leaves a listener like me to not be super invested in the product at hand. But um, I think he definitely does rally on the end of the record, though. I really liked songs like Nothing at All, One More Try, and Borrowed Light. I, I think, though, the-, the biggest statement of all, and I don't want to really end it like on a bang or just like a roast or whatever, but I- I'm being really serious. I mean, it's like if you were to ask me down the road, like, hey, have you heard Set My Heart on Fire Immediately by Perfume Genius? It would probably take me a minute to be like, have I, have I not? I can't remember. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, now I, I- now I have it, you know. And, you know, I'm not leaving out the possibility that this record might grow on me if I listen to it down the road. But at the moment in time, I'm not really feeling like, yeah, this is a nine. Yeah, this is a nine and a half for me. Um, So right now I'm feeling a six and a half out of ten. Another blind listen here um, in St. Cloud by Waxahachie, uh, like Michael Hadrias, um, the Alabama-based singer-songwriter, Katie Kirchfeld dropped her fifth full-length album in 2020. This is another one that I came across from those year-end lists, um, so another blind review on my part. But I definitely did enjoy this album a lot more than Set My Heart on Fire Immediately, and I think its higher ranking on these year-end lists is kind of justified. Like, I'm, I'm not against it at all. I Probably would classify this more as, like, country than, like, indie rock or indie folk, which is basically, like, country music for hipsters or, quote, music nerds like me, I suppose. And considering I'm not, like, the biggest fan of the genre as a whole, I think Critchfield's performances were pretty good across this thing. And she's definitely talking about something other than, like, Jesus, trucks, women, or alcohol, as, like, a lot of people do in those country songs. Um, I guess you could call this about substance abuse, so alcohol, drugs, whatever it may be. Um... You know her experiences with substance abuse and how that impacted her so deeply and like as a listener I think you can really hear those years of repressed memories and all that heartache she had and and how much sorrow it caused her coming out on these 11 tracks and there's not really any minute across this project where you're not feeling some kind of emotion. Um, Songs like Oxbow, Can't Do Much, Fire, Lilacs, Witches, War, and Archadelphia really stood out to me for that reason. None of them necessarily made my year-end list but I'd say they're up there for being some of the most empowering in 2020. Again, this is another record that suffers from a really weak ending, not to be joking or anything, but that's like where that emotion of boredom comes in. You know, songs like The Eye, Hell, Ruby Falls, and The Closer, St. Cloud, all really fell short for me. Um, This was actually an interesting quote from her Pitchfork interview about the song. Um, Was it from Genius? I can't remember. But um, this is what it says. St. Cloud takes more of a macro looking down at the world perspective and is not hyper-focused on my own experience. In my eyes, that's not how I would have necessarily ended the album. I'm definitely glad you're in a better spot, but like, I feel like closure is better than like ambiguity in that regard. If I were writing about substance abuse or anything like that on a record, I'd be like, you know, hey, I'm better now. I hope this inspired you to change. Blah blah blah, stuff like that. Um, again, this is more nitpicky on my part, music nerdy stuff, but you know, I think Saint Cloud is something I would definitely recommend if you haven't heard it really great, accessible project, and for anybody who's going through substance abuse, emotional issues, stuff like that, this this album is like a warm blanket in that regard. 8 out of 10, I would recommend. Go check it out. Next up, we have Under Pressure by Logic. Um, I mean, what reviewing year would be complete without a review from the guy that everyone says I look like? Um, I'm sure if you look at my picture, um, I did do a face reveal on Instagram, so you know, go ahead and roast me for what I look like, but some people are like, hey, you look like Logic. I'm like, Oh, really? I haven't thought about that. I'd have to, like, shave my head or whatever, but... So, as many of you know, the Maryland-based rapper Sir Robert Bryson Hall, the second, better known as Logic, recently retired from the rap game this past year, um, citing that he wanted to spend more time with his family, but then proceeded to sign a lucrative deal with Twitch. Conflicting loyalties, am I I right? (laughs) Anyways, um, he left behind an album that some people are calling, you know, the year's best rap offering, sharpest rap offering... Um, I used to actually listen to a fair amount of Logic back in the day, but like when I was revisiting his stuff for this review, I can't really say I feel the same about him. I wasn't really like that fond of any record, Post Incredible True Story. But I was still banking on like Under Pressure still being like a positive step, so that's why I was like, okay, yeah, I'll review it, whatever. And I wouldn't say that was necessarily the case here. And again, you know, when Circles is like one of my highest rated albums of the year, it's like, okay, that's the golden standard. Why can't every album be like this that's trying to be a finale or whatever? But um you've got like two good offerings on the front side, I'd say Hit My Line and Open Mic are really great, but nothing really else stood out to me. The middle really feels rushed and I can't really take it seriously. I can't really put myself in an artist's shoes, but once again, I'm going to play the same thing that I did in the St. Cloud review. I think it goes without saying that you have to put every ounce of life you have into, like, your finale. Like, this is what you're going out with. This is what you want people to remember you by, more or less. And I don't really feel like that's the case with this album. I think probably the most egregious offering was GP4. Like, the song sample is just a direct lift of Elevators by Outkast. Like, no effort was made to, like, chop the sample at all, make it interesting. And it feels like a mashup that, like, some SoundCloud kid could have made in his basement, for God's sakes. Not, like, something that I would hold the respected producer of no ID to the standards of, you know? Um, Celebration and Soul Food 2 are, like, not great because Logic feels really weak on the mic. Even Five Hooks, Toro y did really well, in my opinion, with the production. He sounds like Just Blaze a little bit with what he was doing. But again, that great production effort gets overshadowed by another really crappy vocal performance like set my heart on fire immediately logic gets you with the ending of the record heard him say amen and even the sampled audio track obediently yours all felt like a super fitting end to the album and his career i think it's really what boosted the rating for me by at least a half or a full point um it is definitely a little bit underwhelming in total but like i said a minute ago it does deliver to its listeners in the moments where it matters At the moment, I feel confident with the score that I'm giving it. It's a 7 out of 10. This is definitely an essential for any rap fan or Logic fan in general. So yeah, 7 out of 10, decent, not amazing, but still pretty solid nonetheless. Uh, Switching ahead here to the heavily hyped album Man on the Moon 3, The Chosen by Kid Cudi, Uh, the newest batch of songs cooked up by esteemed Cleveland rapper, My Hometown Baby, 216, Scott Cudi dropped that last month, I guess, December 11th. Um, That was one that was really anticipated by a lot of people. And you know, Cuddy came to fame with Man on the Moon, The End of Day. That was a huge generational record. Huge for me, too. One of the first ones I ever came to love. Um, I think it's kind of nerdy to admit that I actually, like, bought a pair of stance socks with, like, the Man on the Moon art on them. They look kind of dope. I don't wear them, like, super often, but they, they still look really freaking cool. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of a shame, though, because, like Logic, a lot of Miss um, Cuddy's, like, subsequent efforts never really have done it for me. Um, you know, there are a few good songs from all the album cycles, but, you know, nothing ever really feels you know, amazing to me. It was really his work with Kanye West on Kids See Ghosts that revived my interest in him. I was also excited to see how he would possibly kick off his musical efforts in 2020 because I think he's like, what, 37, 38 now, so he still has a fair amount of gas in the tank, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him release a couple more albums uh, in this decade. Um, I was hoping it would be a little bit... It was. I think the project was different for a few reasons. Let's start there. Every project from him, either good or bad, at least to me, has a clear identity and flows, like, pretty well. So that was why, like, this project didn't really feel like that. It it feels really all over the place. Um, I think some of the songs just sound like they're intentionally appealing to this new generation of hip-hop. I would say Steer Clear of Tequila Shots, Another Day, Damage, Sad People, and especially Rockstar Nights with Trippy Red. Those do not resemble who Kid Cudi is as an artist, and I wish they could have been scrapped altogether to make this a cleaner project. It also feels like there's a lot of productional choices lifted straight from Travis Scott on here just like World in general. It's not necessarily like a bad thing, so to say, but like a little more originality would have been nice. Um, some interpretations were definitely better than others. I would say my favorites were um, She Knows This, Dive, Mr. Solo, Dolo 3, um, September 16th, Loving Me with Phoebe Bridgers, and Lord I Know was also pretty good. Um, there were also a pair of drill influence tracks on here, which I think um, would be a pretty cool Cudi project idea down the road. Uh, You know, Heaven and Earth is great Um, and show out with Skepta and Pop Smoke, of course. You know, they're just giving a middle finger to his estate and all the people that love him with just that really annoying forward feature. But still, Cuddy kills it on here. I love it. Um, I wasn't really expecting much out of this project, but I would say that Kid Cuddy does make a pretty decent return to the music landscape. It definitely does its job serving as a nice conclusion to the Man on the Moon saga. But, um, clear to see that he will need to decide where he wants to go sonically down the road. A lot of great ideas here. Like I said, it would be cool to see Drill. It might be cool to see, like, an World ripoff. I'm feeling a 7 out of 10 on this one. Um, but speaking of more positive reviews, let's take it in the right direction here with We Will Always Love You by The Avalanches. They're one of the most historically silent yet revered groups of the 21st century. This is their third album in just 20 years. Um... They're second in five years, actually, because they dropped Wildflower uh, in 2016. And before that, we had to wait about 16 years from Since I Left You. Um, I enjoyed Wildflower a lot, um, but I still feel as if Since I Left You will always um, reign supreme. They've delayed this record quite a few times up until this point, you know, same day as Kid Cudi's album, December 11th, because of like COVID-19 and all that stuff. They definitely did release some great uh, teaser material to hold us over in that time. Um, They all contain that like atavistic, plunderphonic style that gave them their fame. But, you know, they go with a different direction this time, and I like that a little bit more. Um, It's more ethereal and club heavy. Um, I liked Run and Red Lights a lot. That's like a really cool dancey track with Rivers Cuomo and Pink Seifu. Um, Seifu? Seifu? I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, Definitely one of my favorite songs from this year um plus like take care and your dreaming is great we will always love you with blood orange is great and another thing that i think makes this album so special um is their decision to collaborate with like so many more artists um for those of you who read my review on um you know song machine by the gorillas like they had a lot of great collabs but just they never really fit in with the production on that project and i don't think that's the case here like almost every feature works for me like i thought um, you know, the the song with MGMT and Johnny Marr from The Smiths, The Divine Chord, great. Uh, Leon Bridges on Interstellar Love, great. Um, the same goes for, you know, We Go On with Cola Boy, uh, Until Daylight Comes, Gold Sky with Kurt Vile and Pink Sifu's second feature on the project, Always Black, is great. Um, even when they're producing, like, instrumental tracks, I think, like, Music Makes Me High, Overcome, and Born to Lose are all really great. Um, I think the only songs that I didn't really care for all that much were Reflecting Lights, On the Sun, and Wherever You Go. I also never really got down with, like, the ending song of this record. It's it's another one, like, uh, Visions of Bodies Being Burned. It's just, like, noise for two and a half minutes and, like, a little, like, instrumental part with, like, 30 seconds to go. Um, That's just, like, a microcosm and, like, an otherwise incredible record. Really great to hear these guys back on the scene with We Will Always Love You. Great comeback record. You know, it's only been about, you know, three weeks since I've heard this but you know I think it will get better as time goes on a nine out of ten and I think this could go up to a nine and a half um when I revisit it down the road or maybe not maybe this is just one of those albums where it's like oh I love it in the moment but when I revisit it, it's kind of like eh I kind of feel that way about a lot of my old reviews like if listening back to like something I reviewed like even earlier this year or late last year it's kind of like yeah I don't really like this as much but I feel like this is one that I'm very confident in that will stand the test of time nine out of ten like I said great record And then uh, what a way to finish off December here, um, Alone Together in Los Angeles by my good friend uh, Rob Tilden, also known as Boyo. We ended June with a Boyo review, so I think it's only fitting to end another uh, month in review six months later with uh, this record as well. I certainly think a global pandemic has certainly not stopped them from having a great year. I think their earlier release from this year, Where Have All My Friends Gone, the one I reviewed in June, will go down as one of the most underrated projects from 2020. And hearing that they were going to be putting out one last hurrah to end the year was really exciting for me. Um, And according to Rob, when I asked them about the record, it's supposed to be a like a spiritual sequel to their 2018 record, Dance Alone. Um, Some of you might already be familiar with the track from that album, the sleeper TikTok hit, Hit or Miss, which I like quite a bit. Um, Alone Together in Los Angeles was supported by one single, Feel, which I thought was actually a little bit weaker for promo material. Um, But I hope that doesn't like put you off from listening to the project because like. It is, it is great. You know, Rob brings his A-game once again. Love the production on here. I love how Rob is continuing to push those dance psych elements to their absolute limits once again here. Um, the A-side is definitely really strong. Tough Love, OCD, Ghost Noise, Analyze This and Sunday are all incredible. I honestly would have liked hearing one of those songs, probably OCD as like the lead into the album. Um, and I also enjoyed Memory Lane and Lost and Found from the B-side, but I think that one has a few other problems that I think we should discuss. Um, I think there were a couple that sounded like they might have fit better on Where Have All My Friends Gone. I think Feel is one of those and Father is another one. And I also wasn't the biggest fan of Flashbacks or Paradise, which is the closer. Um, it might have sounded a little bit more enjoyable if they had put it maybe at a different spot in the record. Um, Fade Out, hence the name, probably would have been the better choice for the closer but once again these are all like pretty minor complaints on my end like I'm someone who's been a fan of Rob's music for years now and I would consider them as like a really close music friend in any case alone together in Los Angeles another stellar offering from Bobby T wishing you the best of luck man really appreciate you being there for me and just being down to chat all the time Um, so I hope you guys agreed with those takes or if you didn't feel free to reach out to me I would love to hear what you guys think on these records Um, let's now switch it over to the awards Top 10 albums and top 20 songs, which I am very excited to talk about. So, 2020, a crazy year, and even better year for music, I would say. Um, so, for the year end awards, um, thought it was a fun little idea to kind of celebrate um, everything that's happened. Um, Not really sure what to call them yet. Like the Baz-E's, that sounds like kind of cheesy, but I'll think about it. For right now, I'm just putting them as the Baz Reviews Year-End Awards. Um, I'll also be talking about um, top 20 songs. Those are in no particular order. But I think to start things off, we'll do top 10 albums. Um, Number one will be revealed in the Year-End Awards, so stay tuned for that. Um, But at number 10, let's start it off with Run the Jewels 4 by Run the Jewels. To be fair, this isn't like their best album ever, but I think it deserves to make this list because it's really politically relevant to our nation right now. It was released right after the protests of George Floyd arose in early June. And I think the record proves that Killer Mike and LP are a testament to, you know, the impact of music and how it can effectively, like... You know get the message of a population across it can unify people in a time of distress and I think these ideas are amplified by the whole like Yankee and the Brave TV show motif across the album. You might remember that I didn't originally like that idea of, like, the whole, like, TV show meta idea, but I think after watching, um, there's a really great video by Polyphonic, someone who I interviewed, very talented video essayist, like, <laughs> my goal is to be like him someday, there's no way I will, but whatever, he did a video on, like, Run the Jewels 4 and its impact on society, so I would definitely recommend checking that one out, um, so I definitely, I, I came to appreciate like that extra effort that went into subverting their ideas into all of their listeners. Uh, I hope this album will age a little bit better, like with time. I think it's a really relevant listen to everyone who wants to be politically active this year. Um, number nine, How I'm Feeling Now by Charlie XCX. Uh, hyperpop was a genre that I grew a deep bond with in 2020. Uh, Charlie has been an artist that's really been fun to watch evolve. Uh, I talked about that in my review earlier this year of her record. And, you know, this release is still great even to the day. Um, I thought it was a super clean listen when I first heard it, and I think it, like I said, still holds up now. Um, it's helped by great production from A.G. Cook and Dylan Brady. Uh, they both really kill it again. Um, Dylan Brady wasn't as great, um, but I think A.G. Cook really, it's just a great extension of the 2019 adding her self-titled. So if you're someone who doesn't really like mainstream pop, but also don't really want to dive too deep in that hyper-pop scene, I would say How I'm Feeling Now is a great like middle ground, and it brings out the best of both worlds. Uh, number eight, we have It Is What It Is by Thundercat. Um, I think this record makes my list simply because it got me into the Thundercat. I mean, I reviewed this back in April when I had only heard like a few singles from him and nothing more than that. And I love this album because of what it had to offer both productionally and vocally. Dragon Ball Durag is arguably one of the best songs in 2020. I'll be discussing that one later. Um, one that I was constantly spinning, especially on my Spotify Wrapped, I thought it, it was top five so that was awesome and not only that I think Thundercat is just one of those really talented artists he's bringing jazz and funk and all of those genres that have been dead for so long back into the mainstream which I think is really commendable um if you haven't heard any of this music don't be like me and keep waiting check this album out check everything else that he has out it is really something special you're you're gonna love it I hope um number seven we have We Will Always Love You by The Avalanches I like I said never thought they would drop an album this year but they ended up surprising me with it um I heard some people actually call this a little boring on, like, the music shitposting Discord. Even, like, Anthony Fantano's review was, like, kind of mixed. But I don't know. I I just really liked it. I loved how they did a great job shaking up their formula. They presented a new option for the future. Um, Maybe they'll change it up again. Maybe they'll stick to their guns and do this style again. Who knows? But whatever the case is, very excited to see what they're going to come up with um, with their next release. Be it next year, five years, (laughs) 20 years down the road. We may never know. But... We Will Always Love You. Great record. Number six, we have Rina Sawayama's uh, self-titled Sawayama. I, this is a, a re- weird tangent. I think the Grammy for Best New Artist is honestly one of the dumbest and stupidest things I've ever seen. Like, they nominate artists who have been busting their asses, like, for years, and then all of a the sudden they have a popular song. Like, look at K. Trinata, for example. Like, 99.9% was, like, the album that got me into electronic music. It came out four years ago. And, like, now with, like, Bubba, it's made the mainstream and all this stuff. So that's why... He's getting nominated, and even Phoebe Bridger's in that category, too. Like, she's been making music for years, and, like, why is it now that, like, they're finally giving her the recognition that she so rightfully deserves, you know? But anyways, my point is, if there's anyone who should have been nominated, it's Rina Sawayama. She is one of the strongest newcomers in 2020, and I I don't think you're going to regret checking this one out. Full of tracks that are built on nostalgia, and I loved hearing those genres I grew up with being completely reshaped, heard in a new sound and style, loved it. Um, so yeah, great record there. Maybe it's because of nostalgia, it's so high, but whatever. Loved it. I hope you will too. Now let's switch it over to the top half now, starting it off with Shore by Fleet Foxes. And this is another record that took the indie community by surprise. You know, everyone was sort of in limbo like, oh, are they going to drop? Are they not? Are they? Um, and then Robin Peckinold on Twitter is like, oh, surprise, we're dropping it on the Autumnal Equinox. And what do you know? There it was. Um, and I think he is one of those artists that is helping, like, that recent, like, new wave of folk music that we've been seeing with people like Phoebe Bridgers and Bon Iver and whatever. I think the writing on here feels very personal, and I love the really transcendental vibe it gave off. Um, you know, love the, the soundscapes he was creating. And again, really, I love how these mixes are becoming more maximalistic in the folk scene. It's very new and unique. Very excited to see how that sound will die. Uh, I'm stoked to see how that sound will progress and definitely worth checking out if you're a big fan of the group or you're just a casual listener. I would honestly say this is like one of their more accessible projects. I love Helplessist Blues. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. I would say this is where you should start before going to like Helplessness Blues and Crack Up and whatever else they've done before. Um, number four, After Hours by the Weekend, and this is one that has a lot of controversy right now, um, gained a significant amount of notoriety after the RIAA refused to, you know, give you know the weekend any grammy nominations for this album at all right like this is an album that came out in the time window it's been critically acclaimed commercially successful like blinding lights came out what like november december of 2019 and it's still popular now like that's insane to me you know i I think it might have been revenge for abel not choosing to perform at the grammys and instead at the super bowl um if so if that's the case like that's really not cool like this album is I think you have to give credit where credits due, and I'm not saying like the Grammys are the end all, say all because you guys know how much I hate the Grammys. They're, they don't make sense. They nominate the worst artists ever, um, this year included. I mean, there are some bad nominations, but you know, I am getting sidetracked. Like I said, he's the second most listened to artist in the world, and he makes good music. For me, I'm saying that I don't even like pop music. He sticks to that famous dark production, and it's just awesome. You know. There's, it's, he has that same formula, but he's always willing to change it in some way or another. You know, on here, we see more trap element. We even see one oh Tricks Point Never, one of my favorite like producers on this record producing stuff. And even... On 10 Trix's album, you know, The Weeknd gets a cool feature on No Nightmares. It's like their their relationship is awesome. It kind of reminds me of like Max Fisher Saving Latin and Rushmore by Wes Anderson. It's like, you know, always bringing an awesome producer from the independent landscape, the the pile that no one cares about, into the mainstream. And I think that is awesome. So there are some great elements to this record that I think you should check out. And screw you, Grammys. This is a this is ridiculous. May all of you guys realize that this was a mistake. Now, number three. KG by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I know the praise hasn't been great by King Gizzard standards, but I think it is one of their better offerings in recent times. I think it's really special to me because it took heed from like Flying Microtonal Banana and Polygon to Wanna Land. Both are some of my favorite projects from them. They were my gateway into their music. So I think that was kind of nice. It feels like it feels like a fan album, so to speak. It's like, hey, you know, we've been doing our own stuff, but you know, here's like a throwback to what we've did with like the year of the giz and five albums in a year. Like I think that was really special to me. Um, and I also enjoyed some of like the non-microtonal ideas on here, and I'm excited to see if they um, will choose to expand on any of those in the future. But still, really great project for me. I love it. Um, I reviewed it in November if you want to see the full review of that. Um, but it's still very overwhelmingly positive review for me. Um, that's all you need to know. And now at number two, we have Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers. I was not a fan of her collaboration last year with Conor Oberst uh, on Better Oblivion Community Center. Uh, That was, like, kind of average to me. But I think this record really gave me a change of heart on her as a whole. As I touched on in the Shore review, it's really Phoebe Bridgers who's doing a great job at bringing in this, like, new breath of fresh air to a genre that hasn't necessarily seen, like, a huge revival in a while. So, um... You know, that's that's definitely something that I think is positive. So many incredible songs on here. Kyoto is probably my favorite of the bunch. Um, I think while you're listening to this album, I think you should also check out the companion EP, uh, Copycat Killer. That's like some like alternate takes with like strings and stuff, which I think is cool. Um, that was also on my radio stations, like because I, I guess a little sidetrack here again. I'm a DJ in Chicago. Um, you know, that's really fun. So that was like on our recent rotation. So I got to hear Kyoto in a whole different way. So that was really cool. So that's number two. Number one, let's go over to songs of the year now. Like I said, top 20, alphabetical order. It's really hard to rank songs, so I just did it that way. Interstellar Love by The Avalanches and Leon Bridges. Talked about that one a minute ago. Really cool. Probably my favorite from We Will Always Love You. Um, Naked by Bickle. This guy's like, I think, only at 150 k monthly. And like, this is his only single on streaming right now. And it's awesome. Like, really dancey, disco-y. I love it a lot. Definitely would recommend you checking it out. Enemy by Charlie XEX from How I'm Feeling Now. This is probably like the best representation of her new style that she's been going for on these last few records. So definitely check that one out. Um, Fox by Dogleg. Shout out to Chase McKinsky, the bassist of the band, for sitting down and doing an interview with me. That's on the blog. And I also featured a little bit of it back in June um, when I reviewed the album officially. That's probably the best song on there. Uh, next up, we have The Difference. It was a collaboration between Flume and Toro y Moi. I loved what Flume was doing on there because I wasn't really a fan of, like, his last couple EPs, but this is, like, a really uh, positive step here, so I'm hoping, like, we get, like, a sound like this on any, like, future Flume project. Um, next up, we have Scotty Beam from Freddie Gibbs and the Alchemist collaboration, Alfredo god i mean this is just it's an awesome record i love this song especially super mellow sounds great really just chill in general i mean get stoned to it just be chilling to it whatever the case may be um definitely worth your time checking out if you're not going to listen to the whole thing but if you have this is probably the best song on there in my opinion Um, Next up, we have Notice Me by my really good music buddy Harmless, uh, Nacho Cano. Cano, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. He really became popular this year with the resurgence of his song Swing Lin. That's like at like 20 million plays now, I think. I could be like way off, but that's an estimate. But this is a really cool single that he released. Um, We've been talking, he might have an EP coming out soon. So stay tuned for that if you'd like Swing Lin and both of his singles from this year, as well as his EP, Condiciones is great. Would recommend that one as well. Um, so, yeah, you're doing great stuff, man. Very excited to see where you're going. Um, so, yeah, Notice Me by Harmless. Great one. Great one for me. Um, automation by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. That's from KG as well. Um, again, great throwback to Polygon Duana Land and Flying Microtonal. I mean, it's just, it's King Gizzard at their finest, man. You know, that's why it means so much to me. Um, next up, we have Good News by Mac Miller. Um, I'm sure many of you know the Fantano crying meme where he's like, like just like sobbing like that. Like, yeah, I mean, this song is really emotional and circles as a whole is just just crazy, man. Just so um, just you have such a visceral reaction to it is my first listen from Mac Miller like ever. And I, I love the project. So, um, yeah. You'll be seeing more of that soon. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, the Two of Us by Omar Apollo. I think he did a good job with his new record. Um, that was another one that I found through our recent rotation mix at uh, WLUW, my radio station. Um, another song that I just mentioned as well, No Nightmares by One Tricks Point Never. Loved the weekend feature on there. And I'm really excited to see if like one of tricks is going to start like collabing with more artists like the avalanches were or whatever, because I think his production style now is a lot different from what it used to be. And I think he's, you know, become more popular through being in like good time. His music was in there Uncut gems as well. Like he's a great like composer. So just to hear him do this kind of like new direction with his like own personal music is still really cool. Um Next up, we have Kyoto by Phoebe Bridges, which I once again talked about. Really great song. I love how, like, it, it, it blends, like, garage rock with, like, folk, which is cool. And that, that again, is why the neo-folk genre is one of the coolest and most, like, exciting to listen to right now. Because there's, again, so many players that are changing up that genre and making it sound cool again. Um Next up, we have Invincible by Pop Smoke. Yes, I am putting a Pop Smoke song on here. Because to be honest, I think Meet the Woo 2 is actually like one of the better rap mixtapes from 2020. Like, I don't think any of his other projects, even like Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, isn't that great. But like, Meet the Woo 2 is Pop Smoke at its finest. It's drill. It sounds sick as hell. um, And this is probably the best song off of that project. Um, There's like five or six that I would also recommend. But Invincible is top 20 of the year. Gets you hyped. Good for the gym. Good for running good for parties, whatever it may be, so yeah. Um, XS by Rina Sawayama, again, a sledgehammer back to my youth when I would listen to this, like, new metal sound, this, like, bubblegum pop stuff, you know, all that stuff that I grew up with. It's like, this song especially just is, like, a brilliant exemplification of that. So check this one out, as well as that whole album. Um, I I, I just loved it, you know, I I can't speak highly enough about it. So, yep, XS, Rina Sawayama, a good one. Yankee and the Brave, the lead-off song from RTJ4. Sets the tone for the whole record. I love the raps on here. Killer Mike and LP are both at probably their best that I've heard them in a while. Definitely worth checking out. Um, we have It Might Be Time by Tame Impala. Another really special song from um, Kevin Parker's return in 2020. Uh, the Slow Rush. Pretty good record. I think it was a competitor for um, Comeback Record of the Year. But um, again, I think it got beaten out by something. More about that later. Um, next up, we have Dragon Ball Rag" by Thundercat. Again, I spun this song so much this year. I love it. Can't recommend that one enough. Then we have Dog Boy by Young Lean. Cool to see him go in more of like an underground lo-fi direction. Really different from like that cloud rap sound we've come to expect from him. It's not like my favorite project from him, Stars Was, from Young Lean. But um, still, love the song. It sounds like it's very vibey for the winter, I feel like. And this was released in like, what, July? Um, So yeah, love it. I hope you do too. And then to finish it off, we have Gospel for a New Century by Eve Toomer. They are just so talented. Um, I mean, the whole album in general, Gospel for a New Century, it's just great. Um, you know, I would definitely recommend you checking that one out. I think Safe in the Hands of Love is a little bit better, in my opinion, but still, a great return. Um, and yeah, very excited to see where he goes as well. All right, everybody, here we go. Awards time. So, the first category we have is Best Song That Is Not From 2020, And uh, I'm sure you guys are getting tired of all the Blade memes at this point, but Be Nice to Me by Blade, one of those songs. Like, if I hadn't heard it, like, I don't think my taste would be the same as it is now. I mean, it's my most, like, streamed song for the reason on Spotify. Like, I've streamed it, like, 150 times. (laughs) It's just that good, you know? It got me into the Drain Gang scene, the Sad Boy scene. And like I said, if I had never heard it, my, 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 my taste in music would definitely be a little bit different. Um, so now we have best album not from 2020 and those come from my classics month reviews. Um and there are some really good ones coming on tap uh for January, February and March, so stay tuned for those. I picked out some really cool ones. Um and that one goes to The Glow Part 2 by The Microphones. Um this is not one that I've heard from Phil Elverum and I, I know it's like one that's like on everyone's like best of the 2000s list, best albums of all time list. So yeah, you can say whatever, you know, like you haven't listened to this yet, like how could how are you a music fan? But like it is really that good. I mean, it's just I mean, Phil Elverham always just he never ceases to just get any kind of emotion out of me, whether it's rage, sadness, anything like that. And I think that's what's so great about his music in general. So now we have the comeback album of the year by no surprise. We Will Always Love You by The Avalanches. Another tough decision for me because like there were a lot of big artists returning to the scene. You had Fiona Apple with Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which got a 10 from Pitchfork. You had Misanthropocene by Grimes and The Strokes. I mean, just so many great ones that were from this year, but none of them, I think, compared to the Avalanche's third studio album. And I think what's awesome that they did is they dumped their, like, whole record collection. Like, I think it was, like, 7,000 records, then started from scratch with, like, a whole new batch. So, that was cool. And, I mean, it might not be as great as their older work, but I think the efforts on the project were just outstanding. So great job from them. Best new artist. Talked about them briefly a minute ago. Dogleg, I think, will win over Rina Sawayama. They've gotten so much love from various music outlets, myself included. I think Melee is like one of the best punk offerings in 2020. Like I said, got to interview Chase McKinsky, the bassist. Really great guy. Um, So I wish these guys the best of luck in whatever they're doing. They're a great small band. Would definitely recommend supporting them. Best debut album, by no surprise again, Sawayama by Rina Sawayama. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing her name. Um, so collaboration album, um, my intention was kind of to show off like the best showcase between like two artists, you know, like, for example, Denzel Curry and Kenny Beats on Unlocked, right? Like, that's a collab, I would say, right? Um, you know, Savage Mode 2 with 21 Savage and Metro Boomin. Like, those are examples, like, I wouldn't say it's only limited to rap, but in most cases, that is like a, co- like, where the most collaboration happens. Um but I'll, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think Freddie Gibbs has the power to make like any old producer like relevant again. He did that to Madlib, and now the same with like The Alchemist. But he has had his own success in his own right with like Action Bronson and Earl Sweatshirt and people like that. But I think this collaboration between those two is awesome. And I'm very excited to see if they uh, put together another tasty, no pun intended, um, record of beats and flows. So, yeah. Uh, best song of the year, Dragon Ball Do Rag. Like I said, not very much competition here. The jazzy piano chords and sax lines are really what made me love this song. I think his nerdy lyrics too make it very special. So, um, it's very, it, it's I, I just I can't even say how much I love Thundercat. I, I, I you know, I just he's so awesome. His like it's just so jazzy. It's fun to listen to. You're awesome, man. Love you. Excited to see what you're gonna do. Now we have. Best album of the year, Circles by Mac Miller. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that this in and of itself was a blind listen, and I never thought it would have, you know, even made my top 10 list, even the end of year list, like albums-wise and rewards-wise. But whatever, I think if I had never heard Mac Miller's music before, I would have thought he would have been doing this like his whole career, like this neo-soul singer-songwriter style. Sure, he went into that on Swimming from what I've heard of it. I think almost everything that went into this record is just like so genuine, like the production, the lyrics, the mixing, whatever. It really feels like the, you know, co-producer John Bryan really didn't want to mess this up. Like all those artists that put out really crappy, like posthumous albums, like Juice World or XXX and like those are not posthumous albums. Those aren't like swan songs. This isn't what you're leaving your fans with. You're just trying to make more money. And I think that's just not a good look. This though, I, I, I think circles, I'm even getting emotional just talking about it. It's like, it goes down as just the most emotionally charged project of the year and I think if you can make it through like one listen to this album without breaking down into tears or any kind of emotion for that matter I think I will literally Venmo you a dollar please rack up my DMs and I'm, I'm very excited to hear what you guys think about this list all of my lists for that matter albums songs awards like I don't just want it to be me talking about these albums. I want to encourage discussion with people. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is what I want to forage for year three. I want you guys to be here to discuss stuff. If there was an album that you thought should have been on this list that you think that I should talk about, let me know. If there's a song that you thought should have been on my top 20, just tell me. I I want to hear a difference of opinion. I don't just want it to be me sounding like, oh, this is my opinion and that's the end of it. Because at the end of the day, there's not always going to be people agreeing with what I'm saying. And I know my taste is kind of like one-dimensional or whatever, but you know what? I'm really excited with this list. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. So that wraps up 2020. And this is like the last few words that I'm saying to you guys through like a spoken word format. And I'm just, I can't believe it. Two, almost, almost two years to the day since I dropped the first Bazcast. And it's just, um, you know, just crazy to be saying goodbye. I mean, it's not goodbye you're still going to see me you're going to see my face more you're going to hear me more but it's just to have this project kind of be done and not be able to connect with different people it's just you know i'm very excited for year three just know that here's just some big things thank you again this is baz signing off for one final time thanks for listening and again see you soon chance, last summer, your last dance the beat to beat your own drummer, go out fighting, go out young, a flash of lightning, eclipse the sun.